Well, the cardia, show Jerry Adams Arish, August Morris Gra, Tastola Gumsa, Gul Shibsha, Gumai. Hinme Gor, Lori May, and Chuck and Shaw get a bug for Moor Street. In fact, it's a tough talk for an Oich Staro Shin. So, folks, Jerry Adams here again, hoping that you're all well, and I thought I would start by giving you uh, an update on the campaign to save Moor Street and to convert that battlefield site, that 1916 battlefield site, into a cultural quarter. And the importance of Moor Street was best summed up by an Octoron, uh, Michael D. Higgins, who said, this area belongs to no one individual, group or party. It belongs to the people. Now, if you want to protect this hugely important part of our revolutionary history, with its many exceptional links to the dramatic events in Dublin at Easter 1916, then support the urgent public meeting being held by the Moor Street Preservation Trust in Liberty Hall in Dublin on February the 23rd, starting at 7 o'clock. And Belfast filmmaker, award-winning filmmaker Sean Murray will produce a short documentary with Oscar-nominated actor Stephen Ray and it's going to be launched at this meeting and there will also be a presentation by uh, the architect Sean Anton O'Murray from from Cork who has uh, put together on behalf of the Trust an alternative plan a plan to convert as I said previously the entire uh, area around Moor Street into a 1916 Moor Street cultural quarter. Now, this meeting is important because of the phase of the entire campaign is coming to, it might be a while yet, but it's coming to a defining point because the London-based developer Hummerson, whose proposal would destroy much of the terrace and the significant laneways around it, and the government, which, that's the Irish government, which supports the Hummerson proposals, believes that Moor Street and its laneways should be developed and exploited in the interests of private profit. And the Humberson plans, if they go ahead, would dramatically alter the streetscape, demolish much of the area, including historic and significant buildings, and the structure which I will put in place will overshadow what would remain of the terrace, which was the last meeting place of the 1916 leaders and the GPO garrison. Now, interestingly enough, three months ago, Dublin City Council voted unanimously to add six key buildings in Moor Street associated with 1916 
to the record of protected structures. And according to a report prepared for the Council, some of the buildings contained creep holes that were made during the evacuation from the GPO by the volunteers to allow ease of movement for them between the buildings <coughs> on the terrace. So basically what happened was with the GPO ablaze, the garrison withdrew and a, a large section of them made their way up into Moore Street and tunneled their way in the British were all round them, of course, and it was there that they decided eventually to surrender. Now, the decision by Dublin City Council to put preservation orders is a very, very, very welcome decision. But the developer has claimed, and he's going to the High Court, that it would be inappropriate and unlawful for the council to take this decision. And of course, the city council rejects this assertion. It's fully entitled, the council is fully entitled to add a building or buildings to a protected structure list while planning applications are pending. And the council also said that there was a long-standing and historic interest in considering the protection of 1916 buildings located in Henry Place and Moore Street. And the council's position is to give full protection to Numbers 10 and 2021 Moore Street and partial protection to other important buildings. So a judicial review has been launched in the uh, High Court against the council and as well as accusing the council of inappropriate and unlawful actions, this appeal claims that its objective, that is the developer's objective, is to sensitively rejuvenate the historic part of the city while ensuring its long-standing tradition and important heritage can be retained and celebrated. That claim was dismissed by James Connolly Hearn a great-grandson of the 1916 leader James Connolly and a representative of the Moore Street Preservation Trust. And he described the Hammerston decision to seek judicial review as breathtaking disregard for the historic importance of the last extant 1916 battleground in the city. The Moore Street Preservation Trust, along with the relatives of the signatories of the proclamation and other groups and individuals, has been campaigning to protect what the National Museum of Ireland has described as the most important historic site in modern Irish history. And its importance was underlined by the High Court in 2016, which described Moore Street as unique it described it as the place to which the men and women of the GPO fled, where battle was done and surrender was negotiated, and a site where worker, civilian and combatant lived and died in what was, to a large extent, a worker's rising. So from Tom Clark's shop in Parnell Street to the GPO to Henry Street, where the proclamation was signed, 
to Moor Lane and Moor Street where the GPO garrison retreated, to the spot where the O'Rahilly died, to the Rotunda where the garrison was held by the British and where the volunteers were founded three years earlier. These are all places intimately connected to the rising and to the men and women who participated in it. The failure of successive Irish governments over 100 years after the rising to develop this area and to have it as a fitting place of memory, of commemoration to that part of our revolutionary history, but also for educational and even tourism or even as an economic hub, a cultural hub in the centre of the city. It's, a, it's a, a, an indictment of success of governments that that has not been done. So, as I've said, the, the, the meeting in Liberty Hall on February the 23rd We'll have a presentation from Sean Antonio Murray, and he I've I've seen this presentation myself. Uh, he will outline how, uh, with imagination, this part of our built heritage, our national heritage, not not the the place to be developed at the whim of uh, profiteers. He will show how this can be done. So it's at the very heart and in many ways the soul of the 1916 rising and the, the, the buildings and the back lanes and the street itself provide a tangible link, a link to the courage of those who participated in the rising and the vision of the leaders who produced the proclamation of the Irish Republic. So that's it. That's the, the choice. Either consumerism, the rush to profit, has its way. And the buildings and lanes around Moor Street will be obliterated, as many parts of Old Dublin have been. Or, because there is no circumstance, there is no situation, there is no justification for allowing the, the demolition of any part of this historic quarter. So let's get to Liberty Hall. Let's be part of the campaign. And if you can't get to Liberty Hall, then go on to the Moor Street uh, Preservation Trust. And you can log on to that on Facebook and get updates on the campaign and play your part in the necessary proper development of this very historic quarter. And incidentally, and this is also very, very good, the meeting in Liberty Hall is sponsored by SIP2 and all of us who love our history and who uh, want to learn from it appreciate that sponsorship. I I also... uh, had had read about some books being banned by the the prison service, and uh, of course that comes as a prison service in the north. It may be the same in the south, but uh, this particular story was about three books. Uh, one Joe Cahill, 
a life in the IRA, was banned, and Joe, God rest him, would be amused at that. Another book, Desi, The Life and Legacy of Volunteer Desi Grew, and No Greater Love, the memoir of Seamus Kearney, have all been banned by the prison service. And that's stupid. And it's, it's no accident that they were written by or about Republicans. And former prisoner and hunger striker Pat Sheehan, MLA, has written to the prison authorities seeking the unbanning of these titles. And fair play to you, Pat. I love books. Ever since my granny took me to the falls, library when I was a wee lad, I've loved books. She used to go to the library most weeks to exchange her reading material and I would potter along with her. I recall being amazed at the serried rows of shelved tomes and the quiet hush in the reading room and I quickly graduated to reading books myself. By the time I was 10, I was a bookworm. That's why I wear glasses. I was the first and only youngster of our clan to do so. Though all my siblings were them these days. A decade or so after my Balls Road library days, I ended up in the Maidstone prison ship in Belfast Lock. And I don't recall reading any books there. We were below decks and the lighting was poor and we were in protest most of the time. And we actually succeeded in getting the Maidstone closed down. And later, when we went to Long Case, the censors restricted the books permitted into the cages, but most cages had a steady flow of reading material doing the rounds. And during that little sojourn, uh, I was interned, we were internees, so the, the, the rules were slightly different to the regime for remand or sentence prisoners. But later, I was a Rahman prisoner and in Belfast prison. And it was a madhouse at the time. It was overcrowded, it was dangerous, it was brutal, it was oppressive. But it had a library well. It had a storeroom containing books left by prisoners over the years. Mostly paperbacks, thrillers and crime or cowboy books. I read one or two books a day. There was nothing else to do. We were locked up most days. Three in a cell. My two cellmates were younger than me and they were addicted to downtown radio playing loudly. So daily doses of books helped me to retain my sanity. Later again in cage 11, we had our own little reading circle. We cancelled our food parcels at one point for a few weeks and our ever supportive family sent us in a few quid instead of uh, bits and pieces of grub. And then we ordered political books from the Colony Association in London and from old Joe Clark in Dublin. And the censor banned some of them, but we found ways to smuggle them in. And we devoured and analysed a whole cohort of us, including myself, May Fane, Bobby Sands, Clicky Clark, Donny Lennon, Brendan Cuse, Q Feeney, floorboards and other prisoners we, we discussed and debated the books that uh, were going the rounds between us. And later I ended up in the hits blocks for a wee while and there were no books there except the Bible. And 
as well as being read by some, its thin pages, its fine pages, were also utilised for rolling tobacco if cigarette papers were in short supply. And we also had miniatures of Republican newspapers smuggled in to keep us up to date with developments outside. So this business of banning books in prison doesn't work. Uh, it should be fixed. And I, I commend Pat for taking the action that he has taken. Incidentally, I wrote a book while in Cage 11. Danny Devaney did illustrations and graphics. And we smuggled it out to Tom Hartley. But it was never published. However, that's another story. And I, I bumped into uh, Donny the other day, looking very well, along with uh, Jim McCann and a few other former prisoners, having the crack. Uh, and I was glad to see them all, particularly Jim, who continues to do great work on the use of CR gas in the cages of Long Cash after the fire. And then just to finish off a, a last wee reminder that in uh, the February the 13th, I'm just checking my notes there. Uh, if you want to have your say, if you live in Donegal or you're around Donegal, around Bally Buffet on the 13th uh, of February, there is a Donegal People's Assembly in the Ballar Theatre in Ballybuffet. And Pierce Doherty will be making the opening remarks, the, the People's Assemblies, as some of you will know, uh, is organised by the Commission into the future or on the future of, of Ireland. And while it's a Sinn Féin-sponsored gig, it's, it's entirely handed over to independent folks. So the independent chairperson is Michal O'Haney, the former CEO of Udris Nagil Takta, and a former director of services with Donegal County Council. And then there's a, a panel, very representative panel of Donegal people, or at least of people representing the different sectors of civic society in that fine county. And the Assembly will explore and discuss the opportunities, the options for Donegal and for Ireland for the future. So if you can make it, the Ballard Theatre, February the 13th. And if you, if you can't make it, you can still have your say by making a written contribution. If you go on to www.sinnfein.ie, Future of Ireland. So, Bigi Lin Mashan Sogatsa, August Maswalyat the Warawal a horch, Scrive, Litcher no email, Hagen Olus, Ega Hagen Shalu Shin. And that's it. Just to talk of uh, books in prison reminds me that this is the uh, 100th anniversary of the birth of Brendan Behan. And uh, he was one of our finest writers and one of the finest books ever written about the prison experience <coughs> is Behan's uh, Borstal Boy.
And uh, I thought I would end this week with uh, a rendition by Brendan Behan himself of the Oil Triangle. And you'll hear him, and then we'll go over to the Dubliners uh, and Ronnie Drew singing the same song. So that'll play us out this week. So Gwynyri and Ta, Liv, Gwumay Shivsha, Slan, Amor Orov, August, Mowihas, Divsha. Slan. A hungry feeling came on me stealing, and the mice they were squealing in my prison cell. And that old triangle is when jingle jangle along the banks of the Royal Canal. To begin the morning, the screw was bawling. Get out of bed and clean up your cell. And that old triangle, it went jingle jangle. Along the banks of the Royal Canal. Oh, the screw was peeping. And Humpy Gussie lay sleeping. As he lay there weeping for his girl Sal. And that old triangle is when jingle jangle. Along the banks of the Royal Canal. But in the female prison, there are seventy women. And I wish there was with them that I did well. Then the old triangle could go jingle jangle. Along the banks of the Royal Canal. Oh, a hungry feeling came o'er me stealing, and the mice were squealing in my prison cell. And the old triangle went jingle jangle all along the banks of the Royal Canal. To begin the morning, the screw was bawling, get up your bowsy and clean up your cell. And the old triangle went jingle jangle all along the banks of the Royal Canal. Now the screw was peeping as the lag lay sleeping, dreaming about his girdle sal. And the old triangle went jingle jangle all along the banks of the Royal Canal. Up in the female prison, there are 75 women, 
and among them now I wish I did dwell. Then that old triangle could go jingle jangle all along the banks of the Royal Canal. All along the banks of the Royal